Hey visionaries, Chris right here with World Realty Group, brokered by eXp Realty. Buying and selling a home can be a stressful process, but we are here to help you throughout the way. Feel free to reach out to us on all social media platforms at World Realty Group TX. Now enjoy the show with Cuff and Mo. Uh, thank you for the introduction, but this is actually a really um, unique conversation because it's something that, that Mo and I haven't talked about or had on the show, and that's really diving deep into mental health and mental awareness, right? Um, one of the things I love about the last time that we, you know, had a conversation is that it was so organic and so real. Um, and there was a lot of emotion there. And I think that a lot of people don't realize how many people are actually struggling with mental health, right? And so right. why don't you take us back and, you know, for those that are tuning in, you might want to grab some tissue, but why don't you take <laughs> us back? to the beginning and talk to us about how you first really discovered that there were some mental health issues. Well, um, and thank you guys very much. I appreciate being here. This is an important topic for me. It's near and dear to my heart because of personal reasons, as you um, as alluded, you alluded to. So when I was younger, I knew that there was something going on with me. I was, you know, pretty much happy. I had everything that I ever needed. I had a great family. Um, as you guys know, I was in uh, my father was in the military, so I traveled a lot. So there were challenges with that as a as a kid you know, being the new kid on the block all the time. But mm -hmm. I started to realize that there was something different going on. It was something beyond sadness. And the challenge for me was that I would tell my mother or my father that I there was something wrong, that I didn't feel okay. And they were like, what do you mean? And I was just like, it's like sadness, but it's not. Now, mind you, I was about 10 or 11 at the time. So I didn't know how to articulate my emotions. So you know, I, I, you know, I started hearing the, you know, the buzzword depression, like, and my mother was like, you're not depressed. You just, you're being dramatic. Or what do you have to be depressed about? And she, they equated depressed with sad. What do you have to be sad about? You know, you're creative. You've got everything that you need. You've got a family that loves you. You're, you know, you're intelligent. Why are you sad? Just snap out of it. And I realized that the more that they told me things like that, I started to feel like there was something really wrong with me because it was nothing would make me happy. You know, I turned to, you know, food as a kind of comfort. I tried to find friends, but, you know, moving so much, I would get friends and lose them just as easily as I got them from moving again. Um, so as I got older and I served in the Air Force, um, I started to hear more about depression in a more in-depth way about that it was like something that happens like chemically in your brain something that just happens and there's no explanation for it and um, I would find myself you know doing simple tasks like washing dishes and then start crying uncontrollably there were wow. days that I didn't want to get out of bed or take a shower and I had no care for myself or anything else around me and those kind of things, when they happen, you know, the people around me didn't understand. So again, I got that whole, oh, you're being dramatic or snap out of it, which of course 
made me internalize and made me feel even worse. Like there's something really wrong with me. Yeah. And it, and um, it wasn't until I actually, you know, in the military, I encountered somebody um, and thank God for him. He was like, you sound like you're living with depression. We need to send you to, you know, a doc, a therapist to see what's going on. And when I described some of the things to him, he was just like, yeah, how long have you been feeling this way? And I was like, as long as I can remember. So um, it, I think part of it stems from, and I'm not blaming anything, anybody or making excuses or anything like that, but the older generations, the previous generations had a lot of taboo subjects. They didn't want to talk about depression. They didn't want to talk about suicide. They didn't talk about divorce, you know, you know, anything that wasn't different from the norm was taboo. So it was really difficult to wrap my head around what was going on. And to be honest with you, I clammed up and I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. Um, Docs put me on some medication, but I started having problems sleeping. Um, I had, my hair was falling out. I felt like a zombie, like I cared even less, but I just didn't have that little dark cloud over me. I just was like a robot. Yeah. And so that's when I uh, realized that there was something bigger than myself at work. I, I want to go back to, you know, when you were young, 10, 11, 12 years old, and, and you realize that, hey, there's this dark cloud that's over me and I, I, I just can't shake it. And I get it, right? You know, um, parents from that generation uh, um, of that ilk would often say, you know, toughen up buttercup that type of mentality right and i and i get that right because i think we all kind of came from that at least that generation but how did you how did you deal with that um what was the internal struggle where you're like no i know something is wrong but then you're telling me i'm okay and i have a lot to be grateful for i have a lot to be happy like how did you handle that um by putting on a mask um, what do you think, is, do you think the long-term is, effects of, of putting on that mask were? Um, it, I felt like a, a fraud. You know what I mean? It was mm -hmm. like I had a mask with a smile on my face, but I was like crying inside. I was dark inside, but nobody really wanted to hear it. So it was just like once I realized I wasn't going to get any help for it, I figured that I was on my own. I had to do it myself. And so I found that people were more receptive to me if I faked it, you know what I mean? Because then if I pretended everything was okay, it was a non-issue, right, for them. And so part of it is, of course, being from a Latino family, um, we as women were expected to nurture everyone, right? We're the nurturers, we're the givers, we're the ones that have to stay strong. You know, we could have a cold, but it doesn't matter. We still have to take care of the kids, the house, go to work and all those things. And so even as I got older, I realized that people really didn't want to know what was going on with me. And they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to help. And so I figured that it was easier to just like pretend. And I'm a very extroverted person. So I was just like, you know, fake the funk when I was out, smile, do everything that was expected of me by society for my family and everybody else. And then in my own private time is when I actually um, dealt with my pain. You know, I've heard you say several times that, you know, it, it was being dark. And mm. for those that don't suffer 
or have never suffered with depression or, or mental health battles. Can you describe what that is, what that feels like? Like we understand dark as, you know, light versus dark. We get that. But what does feeling dark look like? What does um, having a dark cloud over you actually, how can you, you know, um, communicate what that describe felt like? It. Yeah, describe it. Um, basically, it's almost like there was like a little a little person climbed into my brain and took over the controls and I didn't find joy in anything. It was like, you know, I could be, I could be in the middle of a birthday party, a wonderful celebration. There was no, there's no trigger for it. It's just all of a sudden a heavy feeling inside my brain, inside my body takes takes over. And I feel like I'm on autopilot. Like I don't have control of, you know, I, I learned pretty well to like laugh, even though I was felt like I was crying inside because the out, I realized that the outward projection of a more positive emotion was easier for people to relate to or accept. And so it just, you know, there were days, like I said before, that I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to face people. Um, you know, I just, I didn't even care about myself uh, because I was feeling like, like there was this deep heaviness in me and I couldn't enjoy anything. Nothing brought me joy. I'm curious in the sense of, like you said, you know, you, when you went to the doctor and he asked you like, okay, how long have you been living with this? And you, like you said, you know, since I was 10, 11 years old or whatnot, um, what was your, your, your bottom of the barrel moment, right? Like, I mean, you, you went a long time, you know, quote unquote, undiagnosed, if you will. And I don't even like that term, but like you, you handled it essentially on your own for a long, long time before you actually saw a professional. And I'm wondering like, what's the, what's, what's the lowest point where you even thought to yourself, Maddie, okay, I got to do something. Well, um, well, there, there are a couple things. Um, first of all, I got so low in my life that I realized I actually not realized I felt like I was a burden to those around me. Like I was actually not a real uh, positive person in anybody's life. Um, that was, of course, my impression, my feelings. And so I honestly, um, I turned to drinking at some point. Um, and, and one night I went on a, on a bender and I'm not, I'm not a heavy drinker, but I did, I drank. I don't even know how much. And um, I tried to kill myself. Um, I, I, I decided that um, everybody would be better off without me. No one had an answer for me. I didn't have an answer for myself. And it, 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 it comes and goes in waves. And I had learned to ride the wave, but it got to a certain point where I felt like I wasn't really, um, I, I wasn't a valuable person. I wasn't, you know, I was, I, they'd be better off without me. So that's you what know, I, I think people don't understand is that, I hear a lot when people say like, wow, why did they kill themselves? They're so selfish. But, you know, and I can understand that mentality because of the of the what they leave behind. Right. They leave behind, you know, people that are devastated by that. They, it's a trickle effect. Friends, family, coworkers, everybody else is affected by that loss. But what I I, I would like for people to understand is that. There's a there's an overwhelming feeling of they, everyone would be better off without me. Like I am, um, I'm, I'm, I'm useless. I'm, I'm not worthy. Um, I, I can't stand the darkness anymore. So everyone will be better off without me being here. And it's also exhausting to fake it all the time. 
No, that's that's really good insight. And, and I'll be honest, I, I actually am one of those people that have thought, you know, if if you take your own life, like that is a, that is probably the most selfish thing that you could do because you have loved ones left behind, right? And I and I until this type of a conversation where I can open up my mind and say, you know, there's some real struggles going on. I don't know what it's like to to walk around and and carry this cloud over me. I don't know what it's like to constantly be in a, in a faking, like I'm not who I am all the time, right? I've had stints in my life where, you know, I'm not who I who I am at my center, right? I get that, but to, to live like that for year on year on year. So I, I get what you're saying. Um, and I think that that's a misnomer that you're able to debunk, right? Like people need to understand that, yo, these people are, people that are dealing with this really has some heavy shit that they're dealing with and it's not just a selfish move and and in actuality it's they're doing it out of love because they feel like you're a burden to your friends and your family so i appreciate right, absolutely. that and 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 no thank you for that because one of the reasons why i i was really excited for this opportunity to talk to you guys about this is because you know i think that you know people talk about depression to where it's almost become just like a, you know, like a, a catchphrase or yep. a hashtag. And yep. so it's just like, but there's no general understanding behind it. And, and listen, let me tell you, I understand the difference between, I wear many hats and we all as human beings wear a lot of masks, so to speak. And what I mean by that is the person you are with your good friends is different than you are in your professional environment or with new people that you meet. You're not the same. You don't give everybody the same exact person every time. Right. right. Um, if you're in a professional setting, you're not going to be as casual or you know what I mean? Or as personal, you're going to actually have a different way about you when you approach people that you don't know as well. So I do understand that there is, you know, a certain and I, I don't want to say mask per se, but you, I think you understand what I mean. Yeah, you got to be a chameleon in, in different environments and different settings. Right. You have to adjust to those environments. Now, the thing with depression is that um, there's no real trigger for it. So it's not like, you know, I lost money or I lost a job or something like that goes to sadness to where I feel hopelessness about a certain situation. There's nothing specific that causes it to happen. As I mentioned before, I could be in the middle of a birthday party and all of a sudden I feel this wave of something heavy just taking over me and I know it's coming. And then I just go into survival mode. And then I know I have to like basically fake it and smile. And inside I'm like really, really just like devastated and like, I can't wait to be by myself and not be around anybody. Is there a moment when you, let's say you're at a, a party, the depression comes up over you, you can't leave, but the, you know, by the time you finally get home, is it a huge sigh of relief or do you just go deeper into that depression because you're now by yourself? It depends. See, there's no, that's the hardest part about it. There's no formula to it. There's sometimes where I could sit there for a couple hours and ride the wave. And then it's almost like I'm reset and I'm feeling better. Um, so it's not like it, la you know, it doesn't like last for, there's no formula as to like, it might last days or it might be gone in an hour or two. And then I'm feeling better again, you know? And sometimes when I do put on the mask, I'm like, I have to like remind myself, like I'm in control, I'm in control, you know, I'm going to be okay. 
you know, the cloud is going to lift and then reminding myself internally. And then I start to, you know, get pull myself out of it. Kind of almost seems like an, an outer body experience where you're fighting with yourself to be yourself. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't know if you've ever heard this, but sometimes they say sometimes the most outgoing, happiest people are the saddest ones inside. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I feel that on a cellular level, you know. Wow. Um, I know we want to we want to switch gears here in just a second. But before I do that, let me uh, let me cut to a, a message from one of our sponsors. Blowing Smoke Cigar Lounge. We're located at 1604 North Interstate 35E in Lancaster, Texas. We would love for you to come see us. We stand on the three C's, which are cigars, our community, and our culture. Cigars, we have over 300 SKUs in our humidor and it's still growing. Come check it out, a massive humidor. We also love our culture here, which we're about customer service, as well as community, which is why we're excited to partner with the Vision Lab Podcast. So come check us out. Thank you, EB. We got a lot of love for you. Um, Maddie, let me ask you this, because earlier during the podcast, you talked about how, you know, you got medicated for it, right? Yes. How much overprescribing happens um, for people that are suffering with mental health issues and depression? Oh, a lot. Um, when um, when I went back to the doctor and said, you know, I feel like a zombie, like I'm going through the motions, but I don't feel anything. I don't feel sadness, but I don't feel joy. I don't feel anything. I'm like a robot. So he's just like, well, let's let's try giving you this other medication. And I told him then I went back and I said, I'm having a problem sleeping with this medication. So then they gave me Ambien. So then um, then I went back and I said, I don't know if it's a combination of these two medications, but my hair is falling out. And I have no appetite. So then they were like, okay, let's try something else. So, you know, I went through like five or six different phases of medication to where I finally was just like, you know, enough is enough. I, I, I don't feel any kind of, you know, it's almost like trading one challenge with another, you know what I mean? And I was like, I can't do this anymore. And um, that's when I actually discovered cigars and ironically cigars, um, they help me slow down my gears. And on those days that I have that, that overwhelming feeling of depression, that's like on my, my head and on my, in my heart, um, I can actually just like be in the moment, you know? And I'm, I'm happy to say now that after, after five years, I'm a hundred percent off medication. Um, now my episodes of depression are less and less and shorter and shorter. And I'm actually able to, um, you know, live a more productive life to where I'm, you know, I don't recognize the woman that wanted to die five years ago, you know, and, and honestly, you know, when the very few people that knew that I had, um, attempted suicide, um, they were like, knowing you as a person, I can't see how you would have logically made that choice. And I said, well, I, I don't, I don't understand it now, but in that moment, especially, you know, of course, something like alcohol is, is it, it, it's a really uh, strong variable in that equation, right? Because if I had 
not been drinking and I'm not blaming it on the drinking per se, but I obviously wasn't clear minded to think this through, like to think about the impact of my husband, my children, my friends, and the impact about my, my brain was lying to me that they would be better off without me. It was a lie that I had bought into because I felt like I was not worthy. So before I ask our next question, allow us to say bravo to you, because we talked about how we were going to weave cigars in here. And what you did, that is what we call a professional segue in the radio and <laughs> podcast you. world, Maddie. Shout out to you. <laughs> Thank and you. you've got a beautiful head of dark hair. And I can't imagine you being somewhere where your hair is falling out. Yeah, it was hard. Thank you. Kudos to you in regards to everything. All smoke cigars for different reasons and whatnot. But you know, as we as we kind of push the ball forward, my question to you is, you know, now we're in this, now you're in this really good space. You, you know, you can you kind of see it before before it gets there. And you you got some internal, um, what's the word, um, uh, internal tools and mechanisms to where you can kind of com combat it when it shows up. What's the most liberating feeling or the most liberating scenario you've been in where like you felt it coming and you're like, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to give into it. Like you, 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 you nipped it in the bud right before, before it hit. Um, actually it happened at my daughter's graduation. Um, as I was sitting there watching her walk across the stage, I knew it wasn't sadness because I was excited for her, but I just felt like this darkness just kind of like took over and I felt It's kind of hard to describe because the thing is, is most people would automatically say, well, that's just sadness because your kid is graduating. But it, it it wasn't a sadness to where you're feeling like, you know, you, your dog died or you lost your job or something like that. It was more like it's almost like a full body experience. Like my brain just feels numb. And then I feel like a heavy weight in my heart. And um, I can't put into words or have a conversation with anybody at any level, like, you know, a positive chat or, or even articulate how I'm feeling. I just kind of turn into myself and I realize I can't communicate. And, but in that moment, and I realized it, and I was just like, I have so much to be happy for my kids going to university. She's uh, she graduated pretty much top of her class. Um, she was the last of my four to graduate. So you know, I felt a sense of accomplishment for being their mother and and raising four amazing kids. And so you don't have to feed them, you don't have to feed them anymore. Yeah, <laughs> they still come back on occasion. Um, but I was able to like sit there and kind of like um, give myself positive self-talk about this is only temporary. This is not my life. This is just one day. It's not the rest of my life. This is just one moment. I can move past this. And so I have to learn to be gentle with myself and not yeah. feel like, oh, well, you know, you're you're not worthy or anything like that. When you're, my brain was lying to me like that, I was just like, I sure in the hell am. You know, yeah. I'm a badass. I can handle this. And so I think part of it that was important for me was to have that finally build that self-awareness because I had traveled this journey so much by myself. So what people don't understand when I say that is, you could be surrounded by a whole bunch of people, but feel so very lonely in a room full of people. 
you know, that's kind of twice and to, to most point earlier when you brought up cigars and we're going to get more into cigars here in a little bit, but that's what I'm wondering is, you know, five years ago, we, we know that you found cigars and, and, and your passion uh, grew for cigars prior to that. And then when you started smoking cigars, what was the difference and how did you manage relationships? You're a phenomenal mother. You're a lovely wife. You've got four beautiful kids. How are you managing the day-to-day relationships to the people that matter to you the most while dealing with depression? Well, I think part of it now is because I've been able to have dialogue with those around me and explain to them, you know what? It's not me. I'm not trying to get attention. I'm not doing this. Uh, You know, I'm not feeling this way because of anything that you guys have done or because I don't love my life or those of all of you in it. It's just, um, it's like an imbalance in my brain that lies to me and tells me that, you know, and actually basically takes over me. It's almost like having a shadow living within you, if that makes sense. And, and, and how did, what about your husband and your kids, like collectively, how did they deal with it? How did they engage with it? What was their experience from, you know, from their perspective? Well, a lot of it was frustration. Um, they didn't understand how they could help me, but there are times when they, um, like if I out of the blue just started crying and I was just like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, and I'd apologize and my husband would just hold me. Good man. Um, he would just hold me. He, 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 in the past, he used to like, what's wrong? You know, what can I do? And he's just like, Maddie, everything is fine. It's going to be okay. And I'm like, I know it is. It's not, and it has nothing to do with any of that. And he was absolutely frustrated because he didn't know what to say. You know, in the beginning, he would say, come on, girl, snap out of it. Like, let me remind you of all the great stuff going on in your life. I'm like, I'm very aware of all those amazing things that has nothing to do with this. That has nothing to do with this. I'm grateful for all that. And in the beginning, it was actually kind of a kind of a barrier because I would get frustrated and say, you realize, you know, and this is something I would love people that watch this to realize. Sometimes telling people to snap out of it or don't be dramatic or those kind of things actually make that person feel worse. Like they're not worthy and and that they their their feelings aren't valued. You know, what should they do? So what they should do is just be supportive. And, you know, you could ask and say, is there anything I can do? And just say, I'm, I'm just I would tell I tell my husband now I'm like the dark cloud is back. And he'd say, I'm here if you need anything. And sometimes he'd just give me space or, you know what I mean? Um, Like I said, just sometimes just hold me and not say anything, you know, and just to let me know that he's there and he loves me unconditionally. And, And then, you know, sometimes, and this is true even not talking about depression. Sometimes when people verbalize what's going on, they're not looking for anybody to fix it. They just want somebody to be there. Because I don't know what to ask for. I don't. I don't know how to make it go away, other than riding the wave is the way I describe it. Because it comes and goes. And as I said before, um, there's no trigger to it. So it's not like, you know, it's not like a migraine where you know that you have a trigger that if you smell a certain scent or you eat a certain chocolate that it's going to trigger a migraine. You're like, oh snap, I'm going to get a migraine now. It doesn't happen like that. I could be having a great day and all of a sudden. 
where I could wake up and be like, I don't want to take a shower. I don't want to change my clothes. I don't, I don't want to do anything. And I have to remind myself that it's okay to have those days. I just have to remind myself not to unpack and live there. Mm. Mm. It's it's funny it's funny you, you you mentioned that right as far as like when people start giving giving voice to whatever it is they're dealing with they're not always just looking for you know their partner or their 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 friends who want to fix it but you know my, my wife being a therapist like she says a lot of times people are actually talking about like the first step to like getting back to where they need to be is them actually putting voice to it and actually it's almost like a form of acknowledging it versus them just sitting and being quiet the fact that they're actually saying it okay that like that's a step in the positive in a positive direction. And it's really more about that than, like you said, versus somebody in the first part of the process acknowledging, hey, here's where I am right now, but I'm, I'm going to start working towards the road to get back out of here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, sometimes I'm in the middle of a big event. You know, I do a lot of events where I do interviews with people in the cigar industry and, um, you know, I travel a lot still. I, you know, was in Vegas and whatnot. I had a, I had a dark cloud in Vegas at one point and so I still sometimes put on that mask because I'm like, they ain't ready. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> they ain't ready. And especially somebody that I don't know very well might be kind of put off like, whoa, we were having a great conversation. What's the shift from, you know, or what did I say? What did I do? And, you know, you tell them nothing. So it's easier sometimes to just be like, all right, I have to like breathe deep and go like, I can do this. I'm going to ride this wave. It's going to be okay. You know, I'm really curious because you, you've talked about it. And since we're kind of talking about cigars right now, um, what I heard you talk, you know, self-speak. I heard you talk to yourself while you're in the middle of an episode. Um, I, I, I understand that you kind of recognize where you are in that space. And then most importantly, who you are. Um, and obviously cigars. What are other coping mechanisms that you've you've used or leveraged to help ride the wave? Um, I'm a very creative person. So sometimes I just throw in myself into my creativity. You know, I might draw, I might read a book, um, engage myself in other ways that I don't really have to, um, things that I enjoy um, that I may not have to actually, you know, be around other people. Sometimes it helps to just be by myself. Um, sometimes when I can't be by myself, I actually just like use that self-talk as a way of helping me through it. And of course, it's in my head. I'm not that lunatic that's out there like, OK, you got this. It's going to be all right. You know, <laughs> people are like, are you OK? What happened? No, it's all in my head. And I play it through in my head. Like, listen, you've been through this dozens, hundreds of times before. You know, it's just temporary. Like I said before, don't unpack your bags and stay there. Just kind of like ride it and it's going to be OK. And then I think that self-awareness was key for me and also letting myself know that it's going to be okay and that I'm, that my brain is lying to me and I am worthy, that it's going to be okay. I'm, I'm curious with cigars, right? For, for those that, you know, are unfamiliar with um, how to smoke or, or maybe getting new into it, like how does it help you cope and deal with uh, depression or any type of mental anxiety that you have? So part of it is, okay, so, and it could be even if I've got like a lot of stuff going on like I do right now, sometimes I've actually taught myself 
to slow down. And part of smoking cigars does allow me to slow down because there's a ritual involved. And I'm sure everybody has their own form of ritual. And what I mean by that is if I feel like I've got a lot of stuff going on or I've got this dark, the dark cloud is coming back, I'll say, you know what? I need to grab a cigar. So then I actually select my cigar, what I'm going to drink. It's not always alcohol. It could be coffee or tea or something else. Um, and I actually select my accessories and my location. And then from there, I might listen to different kinds of music or I might play something on Netflix on my tablet. Or I might, one of my favorite things to do is I grab a notebook and I start writing things that come to me. And some of my best ideas have honestly come from smoking cigars. And I always have a notebook with me and I just sit down and I just start writing down things. And it's amazing how many great ideas have come to me just from being in that moment and actually realizing that whatever's left in the house, right? Cleaning, um, doing laundry, um, paying bills, whatever I need to do is going to be there that I need to actually take that time for self care. And so I think a key part of it was finally, um, and it may sound funny is giving myself permission to be myself and just, you know, not see it as like, not see it as like a weakness per se, just see that it's a, just another facet of who I am. I don't know why it happens to me. Um, but I always end up facing the light. If you could give one nugget of advice to anybody out there listening who may have been dealing with, who may have be, may be, or have dealt with, with some of the things, things that you've dealt with in the past. And, and I'll go on somewhere because you said it's about a sense of self. What, right. What's the one nugget of advice that you would give them? Because everyone doesn't get to the point that you're at. Like you, you're very self-aware. You're, you're very in tune with you. So what's, what's one big keeping nugget of advice you would give somebody who's battling some of the same things you've battled? Um, well, before I answer that, I'd like to say this. I do know eight people personally that have actually, um, that, that killed themselves. So, uh, seven of them were people that I served with in the military and one was a close friend from college. So I have actually, and the thing is, is that, and going back to your nugget, none of them articulated that they were feeling some kind of way, like they needed to talk to somebody. And I think that if you're feeling um, a form of depression to where you feel like you can't do it yourself, that it's important to actually have a conversation um, with yourself and actually with others that are close to you that you trust and say, I know it may not make sense to you, but I'm feeling this some type of way. I'm feeling depression. I'm feeling, uh, you know, however they describe it, mine is the dark cloud, but other people might describe it in other ways. I feel absolutely out of control as far as like, I don't understand what's going on with my brain or my body. Um, and I need help. Um, I know I play back in my mind, the people that I lost about what was going on with them. And part of my, I guess, journey of myself was realizing that I didn't know to ask questions. They didn't articulate how they were feeling. And so, of course, if, if people around you don't know, they can't help you and they can't actually stop you from, from uh, believing the lie that your brain is telling you. 
Um, I think self-awareness is also key. And listen, I'm not, I'm not special. I'm just like, like everybody else, you know, I've got family and friends and feelings and my own small business and all these things like that. But I had to actually realize all these great things that sometimes people remind me of do exist in my life. And I'm part of that. Part of the reason why I have all those things is because I am worthy and, you know, and I, I'm valuable to those people that are around me. So don't believe the lie. Find something that actually um, gives you uh, a, an opportunity to ride that wave and um, always face the light. Like even in the darkness, there's light out there somewhere. So I, I want to piggyback off of, off of what Mo said, um, because we know what if, if someone is potentially dealing with uh, depression or mental health uh, or anxiety or whatever it is, you gave them some really sage advice, but what can their support system do to help them? Well, first of all, not give them the kind of advice about what do you, you know, some, and I know that people mean to be helpful, but when they say something like, what do you have to be depressed about? You know, you've got money, you're attractive, you're creative, you're intelligent. You know what I mean? They, I wish people would understand that sadness and depression are not one and the same. They're two different things. When you feel sadness, it's a form of sadness that's affected by something, not necessarily tangible, but you could actually find the root source. You know what I'm saying? So if you're feeling sad because your dog died, you're sad because your dog died, you might be, you know, sad for a couple of days, but your sadness is related to your dog and their loss, right? Depression has no real trigger. There's nothing that you can actually, you, you can't go back and find the root cause and say, oh, this is making me depressed. This is what's going on. You know, I know sometimes people say, well, I was depressed because of my lo I lost my job. And I can see that. That could be a thing. But being depressed and having depression is also different. Mm -hmm. You could be depressed and sad about something that you can't control right? But I think that people around you or people in general, just humans in general, um, I wish they were more open-minded about understanding that not all of us are the same. And that even though on the surface, they might see somebody and say, you're outgoing, you're an extrovert. What do you mean you've got depression? Like you're just being dramatic. Those kind of things actually make the person feel worse. It's like, I shouldn't be feeling this way, but yet I do. Yeah, words have power. Words have a lot of power. They do have power. They do have power. And like I said before, you may not, like if, if someone comes to you and said, you know what, I'm overwhelmed with a sense of depression, you know, it might be more valuable to say, well, do you want to talk about it? Or what can I do to help? Instead of saying, well, you know what I mean? Go exercise, go get something healthy to eat, you know, change your diet that, you know, those kind of things make, make a person feel more like they don't get it. Like I can't open up and talk to them because they just think, you know, if it was that magical, if I could change my diet, you know, eat nothing but organic, which I eat a lot of, like, uh, I don't eat a lot of processed foods. I like to cook. So I like to cook food that's fresh. Um, and I don't eat fast food that much. I don't drink sodas. Um, I don't drink alcohol that much. 
So when somebody gives me that advice, well, like maybe if you don't drink liquor or maybe if you change your diet or maybe if you slept more, you'd feel better. Well, that sounds like great advice, but depression is not necessarily tied to all that. So I think the, I guess I said a lot to say this bottom line, just being supportive and saying, listen, if you want to talk about it, I'm here for you. Um, I love you. I value you. And I want you to be okay. I, I think a big question that a lot of visionaries are, are wanting to know beyond medication, is there, is there any end in sight? Like, can you, can you beat depression or is this something that you're going to have to deal with lifelong? Is it going to be a lifelong journey? Well, that's a good question. Um, I'm 54 now. So to me, you know, I've had it for about 40, 40 some years now. Um, I, I have just learned to cope with it. And I've understood that it's kind of like part of who Maddie is, you know, it's just something that somehow I was dealt that card. It happens. Um, I do, like I said before, I don't always use cigars as that outlet. I have thrown myself into creative I, I, you know, I love creative outlets. So, you know, I draw, I, um, I read, I travel, I do all these other things to occupy myself. And then I use that positive self-talk, which reminds me I'm going to be okay. This is not permanent. This is temporary. And that's why I, I like to use that expression that I said, you know, I can, I can be in that moment but I can't unpack my bags and stay there. I have to remind myself, this is not going to be forever. And as I mentioned before, my episodes have are less frequent and they don't last as long now. And I think part of it is because I have that self-awareness now where I also realize I felt open enough to tell those around me, this is what's going on. It has nothing to do with you, has nothing to do with our lives. I love us. I love, you know, my life and I don't understand it. And I, and, and when I tell them, honestly, I don't understand why this is happening. They're like, okay, let me know what I can do to help. And usually they just give me space and I give myself space and then it's gone and I can move forward. Yeah, I don't dwell on it. You know what I mean? Maddie, we, we, we have to say, first of all, thank you, obviously, for agreeing to be on the show, but thank you for being so so transparent and vulnerable, if you will. Um, before we before we hit the record button, we were talking about uh, uh, a, a dear friend of all of ours, our, our buddy Goldie over in uh, North Carolina, and you explained how, how you came to be one of the ambassadors for the upcoming Charlotte Cigar Week. So can you please uh, give us some of the, the details on that? Oh, absolutely. Um, so when I first met Goldie, um, it was on an Instagram chat. It was on a live. We both happened to be on there. We had never met before. And as we were having our conversation, we just connected. You know, we were able to have great conversation. Um, there was a great vibe there. And after that, we kind of, you know, we became friends, as many of us do in, in the cigar culture over over cigars, you know, just relaxing and talking. We have some of the best organic conversations. Unscripted is the best way to go. You know, we're just our natural selves having a conversation over cigars. And so 
for Charlotte Cigar Week, it's going to be 26th April to the uh, 25th of April, 20, excuse me, 26th of April to the 1st of May in Charlotte, North Carolina. And so there are VIP events, which are all happily sold out, but there's a lot of events for the public to attend. Um, Goldie has put together a team of uh, 13 ambassadors from all over the country. And so our main thing is to help promote, but also bring together our cigar culture in our own unique way. You know, because as you know, people all over the states have a different way of doing things, different mindset, you know, different flavor, if you will. And so us meeting up in Charlotte Cigar Week, we're going to be actually celebrating the cigar culture and also the art of the cigar. And so there are events that are lined up for, um, there's one where the VIPs are going to be able to learn about how to roll a cigar, what elements go into a cigar and actually select their own blend to have their own cigars, you know, a couple cigars made for them to actually try so that they can actually learn and appreciate about the cigar at a whole nother level. Um, there's also events at different lounges like the loft and tailored smoke where we're all going to actually just meet and congregate and just have a good time over cigars and food and people. I love that. How did you get involved to be a, a ambassador and like, I mean, five years, you've done a lot in five years, right? Like how did you get to this point? Well, it's funny you should say that I was a, I was an English teacher, eighth grade reading English teacher. Um, at a poverty, at a title one school, which was poverty level. And I was working with the kids, but I had um, 38 kids in each class by myself. Mm. And then uh, COVID happened. And when COVID happened, there were a lot of challenges related to that, where I realized that I couldn't teach anymore. Um, part of it was because it was taking a lot of my, um, I don't want to say soul, but it took a lot of me to actually be with the kids. I was like their, I was their teacher, their mentor, their auntie, their, you know what I mean? Their therapist, their, their everything, yeah. their mother. I was all of that. And, you know, having, having that many kids in a class was just really challenging for me and trying to take care of my family and take care of myself. And so I had gotten more and more into smoking cigars. And um, it's funny you even asked that question because one of the first things I talked about was the cigar ritual. Well, I had cigar accessories, but they weren't really effective for my purposes. So I started designing my own cigar cases. And so as I was customizing them and going to different lounges, and here in Arizona, we have 66 cigar lounges. So it's a great spot to check out cigars. Um, but people would see my case and say, I want it. Where'd you get that? And I'm like, I made it myself. And they're like, uh, can you make me one? So I started making them. And then I realized that there was a market for them. In the meantime, I had stopped teaching and I realized I wanted to go to business for myself. And I was thinking, what do I want to do for business? And like I said before, cigars were such an important part of my self-care and my mental health routine that I was just like, well, I want to do something with that. And then the accessories kind of came on board with that. And then a friend of mine asked me if I could be in on an interview with somebody in the cigar industry. and um, I have, uh, I've always done public speaking. Um, when I was in the military, I used to set up events for up to 500 people. So I would have to actually communicate with a lot of people, was very organized and, you know, enjoy carrying a conversation with people I don't know. Part of it is for me moving 20 times. I had to learn how to assimilate and be, and, you know, learn how people were 
and and be with people and understand that everybody's different. And so I I got into interviewing people in the cigar industry and then Cigar Royal was born. And now I have my own small business. I have uh, five designs that I'm looking right now getting prototypes made for mass production. Um, and I'm doing more interviews. Um, I'm not only doing Charlotte Cigar Week, but I'm, I'll am i be attending the Boutique Cigar Festival, Puerto Rico Cigar Fest, the PCA in Vegas in July. Um, so, Do you want to add another uh, item to your agenda and come down for Dallas Cigar Week in June? I would be glad to do that. Got to have I'd you down it. here. Yes. I'd love we'll get it. get you the information. It's June 8th through the 12th. That's a Wednesday through a Sunday. So all visionaries that are tuning in, hopefully you guys have an opportunity to not only see us, but also see Maddie Cigar Royale here in Dallas. I'd love to do that. That'd be great. Well, Maddie, we have reached the part of the interview where it is time for us to land the plane. Um, you're a fan of the show. And so, as you know, uh, it, it's part of a part of how we have wrap things up. That being said, it is you and there's a round table of five other seats. You get to have anybody you want at that table. The only caveat or stipulation, if you if you will, is that you can't have whatever religious entity you believe in. Um, outside of that, who do you want at your table? That's an interesting question. Mm. I don't really have an answer to that. <laughs> I hate to say that. I I love people so much. I have such a wide, you know breadth of interests and, and likes and um you know I'm a history buff I love people in general so I, I really can't I can't pick just one I'll make it easy on you five of your favorite characters from history because I love history too um Mansa Musa um Madeline Albright um oh goodness um Maya Angelou. This is tricky. I wish I'd known this question ahead of time. <laughs> I can't give you all the secrets. Right, 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 right. Um, probably Frida Kahlo. Um, she's, uh, I'm one more. Um, Hmm. <laughs> Betty White. I, I don't know how many partners she had that we hadn't heard. At least at least three. I'm thinking four. Uh, Betty White. No. And, and she took the cake with Mansa Musa, but then when she backdoored it with Betty White and Madeline Albright, like. Shout out to you, Maddie. You have taken the cakes on the round table <laughs> to this point. Thank you. An all-female table, too, by the way. Except for Mansa Musa. Oh, okay. See, I, I'm not a history guy. My apologies. So, Man, no worries. The, 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 real, the real richest man in the history of the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a long, there's a long list of people I would love to actually talk to, but those are some of the ones that I think are I'm very fascinated with. Yeah, that's a hell of a list, a hell of a list. Um, again, we want to say thank you for being on the show. But before we close out, uh, Maddie, why don't you drop your social media handles and how any visionary can get a hold of you uh, if they if they just want to get get reach out and touch you? 
Thank you. Um, so I'm Cigar Royal. It's C-I-G-A-R-O-Y-A-L on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and I'm very active on those platforms. I also have a Discord. I have a virtual cigar lounge so that people can actually go through. If you go through my Instagram, it's a virtual cigar lounge so people can drop in. I have different rooms set up. One is if you want to talk about like extraterrestrials, alien space, that kind of thing. Another one is for true crime. So if you like true crime, you can go in there and just talk to other people about the topic. Uh, one is for Sisters of the Leaf. I wanted to create a safe space for for women to smoke cigars and meet other women that, you know, didn't want to feel the pressure of, you know, um, you know, because sometimes women cigar smokers have a stigma associated with them. Um, and and they I wanted a safe space to create for them. But um, you can go to the discord and you can say, hey, I'm here. Anybody want to talk? And it's a virtual lounge 24 seven. So it doesn't matter what your time zone is. You can actually go there and just have a conversation and meet other cigar smokers. First of all, that's the first I've ever heard of anything like this. It's kind of like Clubhouse, right? But right. what is this? Like, it's called Discord? It is called Discord, yes. Um, it's called Discord, and I've set up uh, initially five rooms. So you could drop in any, any time of day, like I said before, 24-7. You can go in there and, and start smoking live like we are right now. You could video chat with people and start smoking cigars, and other people will join you. Um, at one point, we had like 12 people in there and there was somebody from uh, Italy, somebody from Germany, Canada and parts of the US all in there just had never met each other before, just dropped in and said, hey, listen, I don't have a lounge to go to. Um, I wanna kind of talk to somebody, it's two o'clock in the morning my time and I'm not able to sleep. Anybody wanna smoke? And people just started coming in and just, hey, what are you smoking? What are you drinking? Where are you from? And they just started meeting and talking to each other. That is fire. I don't know who came up with that yeah. idea, but Me. I love it. Did you really? That is it was that uh, is it. it was actually I, and I don't mean to cut you off, but it was on a day I had the dark cloud. And I was just hey, like, I'm feeling kind of lonely. I can't sleep. It would be nice to talk to somebody. And I was just like, what if I made a virtual lounge that people could just I freaking love that. And that's what happens. <laughs> when you get in the lab and start to work. Like, I think that is fire. So I want to figure out how, A, we can get into, get in there. And then maybe we could do like a, a joint cigar lounge and then branch off and just connect all around the world. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. Thank so, you. Yeah. Visionaries, make sure y'all hop into her uh, disco, Discord. Discord. Yes. Discord. I love it. I love yeah. it. All right. Yeah, so there's a link in my bio. We'll definitely check it out and, and make sure all visionaries that are tuning in too, that you guys check it out. Um, I've got a couple more questions as we land the plane. What is the long-term vision for one Miss Madeline? Well, as far as for me, for my uh, business, I want to be able to um, use it as a platform to actually increase awareness for mental health. Um, I also want to be the gold standard for cigar accessories around the world. So when people pick up, want to get a cigar accessory, they're like, I want a case. Cigar Royal's got the best thing out there. Um, that's my goal. Um, also to actually normalize seeing women cigar smokers in a way to where women are not sexualized or objectified. So we all can just enjoy cigars with everyone else on an even platform. And also, um, you know, I want to, I want to, destigmatize mental health and as something that people don't talk about. I want people to be able to say, you know what, 
I have depression or I have bipolar, you know, disorder or, you know, some of those other things that people have that are invisible to others. You know, I have a friend that has multiple sclerosis and she's like, people are like, you're not handicapped. She's like, people don't even know what I deal with every day where I have so much pain in my body that I can't move. But she's an extroverted person. So people assume that, you know, she's faking it. You know, so I want to be able to just destigmatize some of the things associated with, you know, mental health and other things like that and make it okay. Because you know what? Our next generation is counting on us, you know, not bashing the previous generation, but they made it a taboo subject. Now it's up to us to open that subject up like you guys did today by by having this as a topic of conversation Um, and making it a thing that doesn't make associate with shame. Right. I felt shame for so many years for being faulty, for being not worthy and not being able to talk about it. I want the next generation to be able to say, you know what, I'm feeling some kind of way and I need help without feeling like they're going to be looked down upon or they're going to be laughed at or, you know, not get the help that they need. And hopefully we can prevent some some suicides. So what do you think the hardest part of, if you could just use one word, what is the hardest part in dealing with depression? Loneliness. Yeah. Because sometimes right. you feel like you're alone, but people don't realize. That's why I want to have these conversations. Yeah. So people that's can good. know um, you're not alone and it's okay not to be okay. But it's going to be okay. That's right. That's right. So if you were a cigar, what would be your construction? Binder, wrapper, filler. Mm. I'd say. Um, well, what I like to say is I'd like a cigar that's uh, Maduro because it's a lot flavor. So a cigar that would be like me would be like spicy, complex and flavorful. Okay. okay. I like it. I like it. I like it. Um, in case you didn't know, we have a magical time machine here in the lab. What advice would you be giving yourself from five years ago? What would I give? What advice would I give myself? Um, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel to keep facing the light and not to um, make any irrational decisions on a temporary situation. That's good. That's good. Now I'm going to make you five years older. So forgive me. Okay. Um, what is the older version of yourself? What advice are they giving you today? Um, to keep, keep one foot in front of the other, to keep pressing forward and don't let setbacks take over and uh, not to um, buy into the lies that the dark cloud feeds me. That's dope, that's dope. Well, Maddie, first of all, I want to say thank you for being so vulnerable and so transparent and yes, absolutely, and so authentic. Um, This has been such a learning experience for myself and I hope that everyone that, that, that tunes in. And by the way, if you're still watching, thank you for your love and your support. If you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button. You know how it helps the algorithm out, all that fun stuff. Um, but I just want to say thank you so much for being vulnerable, telling your story and from all different angles too. I think there's a lot of gems that were um, that were dropped on this episode and I hope people get a lot of value out of it. Thank you for affording me the opportunity to do so. I appreciate it very much. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ryan Mosley. He is Ryan Cuffey. Thank you again to our guest, 
uh, Maddie, Madeline, Cigar Royale. We're family now at this point. And uh, we will see you guys next week on another great episode of the Vision Lab Podcast. Thank you. Blessings. Blessings.